The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in a Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. If I get shut down by the Freemasons, I'm going to wear that as a badge of honor, not as a shame. I've seen more schizo posting by you quoting other people than I have just normal schizos. That's fair. So I'm going to bring up that fog machines are representative of the infilling of the temple. Alright, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... Joshua. And to my left is... I'm Joel. And to my left... I'm Colton. And to my left... It's me, Caleb. We've gone full circle. Um, sadly, we are missing Stuart. That's as per the norm, but the show must go on. Um, Joel. Yeah? What do we do on the internet? Yeah, if you want to find... Um Pretty much everything that we're putting out online, uh, go to secondratesaints.com to check out our weekly episodes, our blog posts, our book reviews, um, and anything else that we might be greenlighting the next little while. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at secondratesaints at gmail.com or comment on our YouTube or chat feature on our website. Yeah, look forward to hearing from you, especially with this episode. Um, if you'd like to support Second Rate Saints financially, our growth, and um, kind of our upgrading our sound stuff. Um, check out buymeacoffee.com slash Second Rate Saints, or there's also a link on our website to that Buy Me A Coffee thing, which is just if you want to make a small one-time donation or a um, monthly donation. Yeah, check it out. Really helps us out. Yeah. Josh, mm-hmm. you've been known to read books. I have. Tell me. You've you've finished a book that that uh, we were reading kind of alongside mm-hmm. each other. What is it? It's called Typology: Understanding the Bible's Promise Shaped Patterns, How Old Testament Expectations Are Fulfilled in Christ, by James M. Hamilton Jr. Awesome! It is a I know that guy. It is a phenomenal book. We've covered one of his books before, which was uh, his small biblical theology book. Yeah, in the short studies of biblical theology by Crossway. Which one? Um, no, his uh is how to do biblical theology. Like it, it had the, it has the apple on the front. Oh yes, that's yeah. right. Oh, Understanding that was, that biblical theology. Understanding biblical oh. theology. That's right. That's right. Doesn't he write one of the short studies in biblical theology? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, we may not have covered it yet. No. Okay. Um. Anyways, so he goes through typology in the Bible, and a typology is when you have an initial character or institution or um. Oh, what's the terms yeah. here? I'll oh, read. sorry. Here's when you have okay. One second. Uh, when you have a person, an event, or an institution that has versions of itself laid over the whole arc of the Bible, monkey sees pattern. Uh, basically, yeah. Yes, but it's he argues it's not just a pattern; it's intended, and so it is how the Bible presents Christ in the Old Testament, and then going into the New Testament, new creation, right? And it's not prophecy, it's pattern. And so it's like an object lesson. So what you have is you have the first instance, for example, like with uh, uh, kings, right? He presents how Adam presents what it is to be a king in the biblical narrative. And then you see David, you see Moses, and it 
as it goes through, and then you see the King Christ. And it takes instances throughout the Bible and the things you learn. And, and there's similarities in these people that present in that way. In the same, you see prophets. And so in the, what is, what is a prophet in the Old Testament? He again starts with Adam, goes on to Noah, goes on to Moses, goes on to Ezekiel and Elijah, goes on to John the Baptist, and then Jesus. And so you see this progression of the revelation of what it is to be a prophet, and all of them find themselves in Christ. Yeah. I think there's, it's, I'll, I'll go over, in, in his first chapter, he goes over mm-hmm. his, his um, sorry, methodology. Um, he goes, he gives like four key things of identifying a typology. There's key terms. There's a repetition of like same phraseology, basically the, 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 the uh, author is using phraseology from previous to bring, a, bring that idea and it's, and it's understanding forward and then reapply it in that local, more, more local context. There's direct quotations. So some allusion, sometimes it's direct quotation. Uh, re- repetitions in, in sequences of events. And you even see this sometimes where the gospel authors will reorder an event like a little bit in order to convey a certain theological idea. And then number four, uh, similarities in, sel- in salvation historical or covenantal import. Mm-hmm. And so there's like there's there's these ties that are continued to, continued to be presented, um, and you can see that with like like uh, David, like you kind of see that actually in our Acts episode we covered how um, just as David had a close friend that betrayed him, and you see that reflected in Psalms. So then Peter, who goes, oh, that happened. We see that in Psalms, and thus it also happened to Christ. And so there's the mm-hmm. same pattern of thinking, and so. His thing is when key terms, quotations of earlier material, material, and and similarities in salvation, historical and covenantal import draw our attention to repeated installments in patterns of events, our sense of the importance of those patterns increases. And so there's kind of like it's a stacking effect. Yeah, kind of like yeah, it's a stacking effect, and and some some of those think those typologies get interwoven and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, Josh, what are some of the things, like there's so many themes throughout the biblical text. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ones that he covers? So he covers, uh, he covers Adam, priests, prophets, kings, and then the righteous sufferer, and then creation, Exodus, the Levitical, and marriage. Um, and what's cool about it is he, he structures it in a chiasm, the whole book, because he's fun like that. And we've discussed what a chiasm is before. Um, the middle, you have a list of things. The middle one is the, uh, the, the point, the thing that the, everything's the most important. To. Yeah. And the first and the last mirror each other, the second, first and the second last mirror each other. And so for example, the first one is Adam and the last one is marriage because marriage starts with Adam and Eve in the new, in the right. book of Genesis priests and the Levitical Levitical. The Levites reflect each other because mm. the priests were Levites. Prophets and the Exodus occur because Moses, the chief of the prophets, is the one that leads the Exodus. And prophets were related to the exile and wilderness pattern of the Old Testament. What's the middle bit for this? Then you have kings and creation, mm. and the kings are the, the pinnacle of creation and the thing that brings creation to its point. And the middle, the righteous sufferer which mm-hmm. the righteous sufferer was the, the Adam is the priest is the prophet is the king is the final 
is the bringer of new creation, is the final exodus, is the head priest of the Levitical, and is the marriage between okay. Christ and man. Yeah, it's it's actually not only that he also does chiasms in the chapter. It, it's yeah. kind of he does kind of just out himself as he's like, I just think they're neat, right? Yeah, well, so I'm going to write the book. Like yeah, well, he's it's a v- <laughs> when you start to and you see this in any field when you study something intently and that thing becomes your person, right? Like if you're a musician, you just start to think in music. When you're a mathematician, you just start to think in math. And so because he's so in-depth in studying biblical theology, which deals with chiasms and Hebrew structure, he just sees and writes in chiasms. Right. So he is the scholar for him and uh, what's it, uh, Thomas Schreiner are the two guys. The reason why I want to go to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah. Those okay. are the only two. Right. Um, the huge. I, um, this, I've only read 75%. You've finished it. Josh has finished it. Um, I, I have one question. I, I don't know if we're wrapping up or talking about this book. But carry okay. on. Uh, one question. What, what is the difference between like typology and like a principle? So like, is it imagery based and theme based? Whereas like a, a moral principle or something that's an idea throughout the Bible, like say God, like God's faithful, faithfulness can be a type, mm-hmm. but it could also be... Um, a moral principle that you see acted through people, not explicitly, but implicitly. So you get a lot of ideas of how God is morally through and how we as Christians should be morally, not necessarily because of how it's explicitly shown all the time, but sometimes just how people act show Mm -hmm. what their moral characteristics are. What's the difference between like a moral principle that we build our ideas off of and a type? Um, A type isn't in the way that you're just talking about like God's faithfulness isn't something you do. It's an instantiation of a reflection of Christ. Of Christ? Mm, it doesn't yeah. have to be Christ. So, Can, sorry. Uh, all, it's the, all of the typologies coalesce and point to Christ. Can I, can I the, try to say... All of them in the Bible? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I'd, I'd say the vast majority of them. I don't know if I'm confident enough or aware of all the enough typologies to say yeah. all. The vast majority of typologies that I think the biblical authors play with mm-hmm. do find their fulfillment in Christ, if not all. All the ones I can think of, they do. Sure. Or they find... I'd say, like, this, the cities, the type of what the, the holy city and stuff is would be, too. Would not be centered on Christ, although Christ does bring around, like, the new Jerusalem but he and stuff is like that. The, what? Sorry. You get a progression of how cities are, th- are thrown, yeah. shown through the Bible and a typology of the holy city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get the, the temple is kind of a like connected so, to that a little bit. But but that is, he will be our God and we will be his people. Mm-hmm. That is a compl- And that's that's the, the, the pinnacle of the holy city. Actually, T. Desmond Alexander has a beautiful book, City of God, Short Studies of Biblical Theology. His, mm-hmm. his book on it's awesome. We've covered it here. Um, his thing is that Christ is this pinnacle of that because he is the king of that city. Wherever he is, that is the city of God. Right. Um, yes. The city of God finds its fulfillment. In the same sure. way that the people of Israel R- are always outside of the I do wanna, tabernacle. I, I do want to address your point, Colton. Um, what's the difference between principle and whatnot? Principle could be built on like one instance of a, of a let's say, quote unquote, uh, an instance of a typology. You can say that. But I think typology is the recognition that there's an organic growth of an idea or a concept 
that does morph and grow and integrate with other things pointing somewhere, going towards its trajectory. Right. Is it, are those more like a type, it's a more of a literary device? Sometimes. Than like a, a, like something that is moral or something that is physically real? It's, uh, I, I would say if you're dealing with more abstract things, it becomes like parallelism more than it becomes a type, right? If it's just restating the same idea, then it's parallelism. But if it's building to a precipice, like the holy city being one that is lit up by the sun, um, that would be typology, right? Because it comes to, it's more of like to a progressive a parallelism. Oh, I, I, think, I think I have never, mm. again, Colton, uh, not Colton, yeah. um, Josh has read the whole thing. Typology, to answer your question, I think this is the best book I have found on typology ever. Okay. This yes. is the best. It's, if you want to understand the Bible's interwoven connectedness, there is nothing I've found on the market quite like this. Yeah. Okay. At all. And another thing is that like typologies deal with, as he presents, persons, places, any persons, institutions, and events. Mm, right. And so you're not dealing with like there is the idea of rat uh righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. But that is again, that's a that is a that is a top down presentation of what the righteousness of God looks like. And it's in instances and you see it per it's there there's not you don't see that progressive growth i think it's in more the image it's yeah. organic hmm. so because i, I, I always thought that the, the main difference is whether or not it's a literary device right because typology think, is specifically a literary device um i don't think it is biblical theology yeah. maybe well y yes there's 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 an aspect of it that that's definitely a literary device um but i think biblical theology would also say that it's it's more it's also a it's also a method of theology. Mm -hmm. A method, like a, its own branch of theology? Yeah, it's where biblical theology as a whole, as opposed to systematics, leans heavily on typology. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, and so it's, it's, yes, it's a literary device because the Bible's a piece of literature. I'm, I'm just trying to find, like, what his definition or what your definition of, like, what is typology versus just pattern-seeking? Because growth and organic uh, development in the idea, I would say. Okay. Is that on purpose or no? That, well, his argument, mm -hmm. Hamilton's argument is that most, the majority of the authors knew it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that, as Christians, we can say that the whole Bible has been inspired by God. So whether the individual authors actually knew it or not, that's not. <laughs> it's also, it's also not like, it's so when you have a typology you have the first instance, the archetype. You have ecotypes, which is every instance after that. Mm. And then you have the antitype, the, the, the culmination right. of the typology. Um, th every ecotype makes reference to the original, the archetype, or one of the previous versions, and then presents something. It grows. Well, he, he also differentiates, differentiates, Hamilton does, yeah. that there are echoes. So it's just reinstallment of like the past idea. And then there's like movements or progression where it's like mm -hmm. things, this, this idea gets a little more either grows a bit or becomes a little bit more defined. And he, he differentiates those a bit and, and that's helpful too. Yeah. Okay. And so with God's faithfulness, you're seeing, this is a story about God's faithfulness. This is a story about God's faithfulness. Faith, his faithfulness is here again. Whereas this, you have the story of Adam and then you have the story of Noah and the 
just simply like words like he he was supposed to keep the animals and uh guard them and it's that phrase was used in with adam to keep and protect the garden keep and work the garden and so you have like and then he builds a vineyard and god is present and so you're seeing the the presentation of the story is happening the same way and you're seeing at noah behave the way that adam did and then you're seeing oh well how do they how does it fall apart because of sin related to a fruit i think and in a garden and so you're, you're seeing the repetition of a pattern and it grows and develops and it's showing you what is the thing that's connecting the two and then the thing that's connecting the two that is then presented in christ as the this is the thing that they were all pointing towards well i think i think that the the jump from colton saying well like how is it not just pattern seeking what do you do about the pattern what Mm -hmm. does the pattern say and mean that would be where you get in type two typology because recognizing there's just a pattern is like okay right but what what does the pattern mean? How did it come up? Like, why is there a pattern? How should we interpret that pattern? How does that interact with other patterns? That's more like where mm-hmm. ty- where typology as a theological method comes into play. Okay, but yeah, this is it's beautiful. It's a five out of five book, Josh. You've yeah, you've you've read the whole thing. Go off. Oh, it's recommend it. it. <laughs> it's a five out of five book. Uh, in you will learn you will get multiple courses worth of theological work just reading this book. hundred percent agree. Um, <laughs> okay. You, Sorry. That sounded like a disagreement. I was just like, Oh wow. That's surprising. Yeah. It's, the, the amount of normally I can read a book pretty fast in my side. Like I can continuously read. I couldn't continue reading because I had to continuously think about the ideas that I was being presented with. Mm. It was so dense that it took me three months to read. <laughs> um, How many pages is it? It's only 300 okay. and 20. Yeah. So a fairly have 340 books, theology pages, book, but um, not as bad as like a lot of systematics can get. No, but like it's more interconnected. It, this sounds wild. Mm-hmm. It is, I think it's more interconnected than most systematics. Yes. Which is funny because hmm. it's a really a biblical theology book. Yeah. Okay. The, Everything is connected, like, and be partly because, like, when I presented before, like, the first one, Adam and marriage are connected, right? And the last one, marriage are connected. Um, but also, the same passages that he's bringing up in, in the first half are present in the Exodus and the creation ones. And so you're, you're seeing this overlay, and what he's actually doing is, expertly, is weaving the story of the Bible together in 300 pages. Hmm. Yeah, I've it's I've never found yeah. something that ties so many themes together like yeah. quite like this. This okay. I would argue that this this is the closest you're going to get to a whole Bible theology. Yeah. I am very excited to read his actual whole Bible theology. Yeah. Um God's glory and salvation through suffering. Mm-hmm. Um look forward to something about that, by the way. Hmm. Cool. Is it released yet or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I have it. Cool. So we're, it is also a beautiful book. Josh, five to five on the cover? Yeah. Absolutely. No, this is... Is this nice the perfect... Hold on. Is this the perf- the first perfect book? Yeah. Uh, in, I think you've given five out of fives before. I've given yeah, but, five out of five. Not in content and cover. Yeah. No, oh, this yeah. is this is top five books I've ever read. Okay. Hmm. Wow. I, I don't yeah. think there's a person I wouldn't recommend it towards, even if it's above someone's reading level. Yeah. Okay. They will gain something. Interesting. That's high praise. 
it's it's probably the highest praise I've ever seen you two give about anything ever. And, and I one. disagree with his methodology quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was say that, Josh is giving more more up the positives about the. You matrix. might disagree with it, but it infects you. It does. <laughs> he is persuasive. Mm. Yes. Yeah, because well, he does such a good job. Where he's like, yeah, I think it's. I I think the author knew because, and here's why. And it's just you're reading it, and you're just like, yeah, like he had like other and, than. He just happened to write it. It's fascinating. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, God's ins- inspiring spirit also. as So we did a so little bit longer of what have we read because uh, we really like this book. Uh, you should read it as well. Um, now I have to. Joel. Yeah. The audience knows this is yeah. a thoughts in real time episode. But I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so That's we should funny. probably get to that at some point. Yeah, at some point for sure. Um, yeah, so we're doing a thoughts in real time this week. Um, a turt, which we've affectionately turd. called it. Um, it's not called turd. Turd, Colton. I didn't say I, turd. I came up with this, and you called it a turd. <laughs> I didn't. I'm leaving. No, I'm kidding. Um, I expected more from a geologist. Turd. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. That's not going to make any the sense pinnacle. to anyone. <laughs> the pinnacle of human thought is geology. Um, <sighs> anyway, Joel. Welcome to turd. Let's make inside jokes that nobody knows. That's the whole podcast. Next section. <laughs> That's the whole podcast. Um, so what we do during our Thoughts in Real Time episode, I put together a bunch of questions, um, either from you guys' comments or um, online chats or just random apologetics bits that I really like. Um or I don't really like, and I want to talk about with the guys. We, we send Joel into the underbelly of Christian. Man, I come out just holding a bag full of garbage JPEGs. <laughs> just the worst. A lot. Um, there, it is, it is a trash compactor on the internet. I've seen more schizo posting by you quoting other people <laughs> than I have just normal schizos. That's, yeah, it's fair. Here's the thing, but some of like comments we've gotten, say that. some some of the comments we've gotten on our videos, <laughs> okay, will, will come up in this episode. Like, come not this specific episode, perhaps I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, we I've don't got... know. We don't know what he's brought yeah. up. Um, we love all interaction, and but, we'd love to talk about it on these thoughts in real time episodes yeah. too. And so, some questions, especially ones that we get directed at us, I think are they're pretty good. Like and they make should, my day. We should like we've done this before, but remember that like some of these people might not have the education we do, or they might ask things or say things that we would go like, that's dumb. That's bad. And often they say actually good. Like there, there is a lot of good questions out there that we have been asked on these thoughts of real time episodes too. But when we see these things, we need to approach it with like, yes, these people might, everyone has ideas and they might be a brother and sister in Christ. Yes. Depending on how good their question is. (laughs) Joel's also, uh, high they're not. Joel scrolling uh, through. What is the dumbest question I have prepared? Okay. Yeah. Most of them are just insulting to me personally. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. So um, I'm starting off with a with a good one from one of our listeners uh, posted on one of our uh, videos. Oh, really? Uh, or one of our podcasts. From who? Um, the, no, the, the username doesn't seem to, okay. to be a person, so I'm not going to like refer uh-huh. to him. John, we'll call him John. Hey, John, okay. good to hear from you. Here's what he says, and we're going to use this as a jumping off point for the conversation. Nearing the end of my Old Testament first read, and my top mm-hmm. five would be Deuteronomy, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and then Proverbs. That's four. Um, and Jeremiah. Okay. Jeremiah? I haven't Honestly, read Daniel or the Minor Prophets yet. 
Let's talk about it. Okay, first of all, Banger 5. Those are pretty great. <laughs> They're pretty good, yeah. I'm a fan. Like, that it's his first time reading through it, and he's already like, oh, yeah, no, these are the best ones. Um, should I don't we, even disagree with him. Do we need to put his tier list beside ours? And yeah, no, it's definitely no. his is better than yours, don't worry. <laughs> Many tiers will be shared. Colton, yeah. if, uh, if you disagree with our Bible tier list episode, you should try... Making being more. there for the next one no, making our <laughs> own that's what you're gonna say fault. so the next move is that colton and i make one on our yeah. own episode and then we together. do it all together and we all yell yeah. at each other and then the we do time. it all together and then we really like mash it out josh yeah. are, are they just jealous that they weren't there that episode yeah i think so i think so. either yeah, i listened just, to the episode and i wasn't no jealous i was they're just angry no one because told we made a very successful episode that's right that's right <laughs> it is technically our most successful episode <laughs> so which is super weird i like what this guy's the, yeah. his, his John, favorite. You said, yeah, yeah. I like what John has chosen. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Deuteronomy isn't my favorite in the Old Testament, but it is super impactful. Yeah, and the fact that Psalms is up there and Ecclesiastes, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite Old Testament books. Yeah, I, I can I can sympathize with this guy. I like it. It has Deuteronomy has some of my favorite quotes. Jesus too. Yes, like Moses was the most humble among old men. <laughs> yeah, and the whole like divine council theology starts to come from there. Yeah, so yeah, De- Deuteronomy is my favorite Pentateuch book. So, Not but just, let's really. just let's yeah. talk about mm. how cool it is. This guy's reading through the Old Testament for the first time. Yeah, or or girl. I guess I never really opened up that option. But yeah, it could no, be you said girl, John. Whatever. I did say John. <laughs> John. 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 <laughs> Not Joanne. <laughs> Joanne, no, Jonette. Um, it's, I don't know. That's just cool to me. Like, yeah. if you guys were reading through uh, the Old Testament, at what point do you guys think you'd be you'd be tripped up? You'd be like, okay, this doesn't. This is wild. Oh, tripped up about what? Well, that's for you to decide. The part that got me when I was right. younger, when I read through the Old Testament, yeah. was Ezekiel. Okay, that's fair. That was the that was the part that I would like. My brain died. Like I could get numbers because it was lists of people like, <laughs> yeah, um, but it was the Ezekiel where it was like, I just had no idea how to, as we discussed off podcast, but I had no idea how to discuss apocalyptic literature mm-hmm. or how to understand it at the age of 13. <laughs> Mine was, uh, was Chronicles. Cause it was like, I yeah. read this before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got to numbers and I was very, uh, you said numbers is easy for me. It's probably the book that took me the longest to read through mm. on my first time uh, because it took me like a year or two when I was a kid to get through it just because it was just lists of people. And I couldn't stand it. And I challenged myself yeah. to actually read through all of it in case I missed something. And I, I had such a hard time. Either that or Psalms. I have not actually liked Psalms. Now, like I've in my devotions, mm-hmm. I've started reading Psalms daily. Mm. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I've, I've I've fallen in love with the book of Psalms. Actually, James M. Hamilton's yeah. commentary on Psalms. Beautiful. I'm, I need to mm. buy it. But it's a two set. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, until like two years ago, I was kind of like, eh, Psalms. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I, I have a theory that as you become, as you study the Bible more, the Psalms increases in import to you personally. Mm. Because as you start to understand the word of God and the struggles of how to like relate to him and how he relates to humanity, because the Psalms is the reflection of humanity's heart in relationship to God, you start to see that in yourself. Uh, yeah, I could totally subscribe to that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's his first time and it's his top three. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like he's doing better he's on than the next me. level. Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. 
These are these are an interesting five. Um, the fact that he hasn't read through the Minor Prophets. I think Daniel's going to be a banger. So just let me know how that went. This was a uh, from two weeks ago. So hopefully we get another message. It's like, hey, finish Daniel. Pretty cool. <laughs> no, I, th- I think uh, Jonah's some of them are pretty easy to get through. I yeah, think Jonah's great. Great. I think Daniel's great. super hard to get through. It took me a long time to figure really? out what Daniel's all about. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think. Like we we had one of our, my favorite episodes series that we did was the uh, Jonah the Freedom is that what we the called? Nineveh no. series the Nineveh series yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. Jonah and Nahum yeah ones mm-hmm. are are they back to back in the Bible I I don't actually think so there's one between them isn't there yeah, I don't think they're back no they're not back to back um Be but cool, though. having geography those, sorry yeah sorry having both of those in in the Bible seem kind of odd I think for the first reader through like you have mm-hmm. Jonah who's like. Yeah, this is great. Like, whatever. He's already gone through all the history stuff, so I guess it would make sense. It's, it's. But the uh, going through Jonah and being like forgiving, and then Nahum being specifically like, "I'm going to destroy all of you." It's just it's very the, odd. It's just the Old Testament. I would say the Old Testament narrative proof of divine simplicity. Yes, and it's beautiful. Um, what do you mean? The fact that 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 God is God is not angry at one moment and then this at that and he's not more of this attribute and then less of this attribute he is all of his attributes yeah he's, he's not, not you cannot partition him yeah um and one of the beauties and this would be the jonah and Nam, the characteristics of god that's listed in both of those books yeah. have ties to exodus mm-hmm. they have ties to the same phrase yeah um the their their understanding is god is the same um he acts that the how according to his character which is which is who he is right mm-hmm. um and yet depending on the exterior world the material world um that is where you will land up in <laughs> grace or yeah yeah judgment and it and it centers on that phrase that he gives to moses when moses asks to see him mm-hmm. when he sees his glory and he says i am a gracious and compassionate god slow to anger and rich in love mm-hmm. i will have compassion on him i have compassion and hate whom i hate yeah and then that is also the central passage in romans when it talks about uh election mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um this john guy uh, he didn't say specifically he has if he's read the new testament all the way through has he no uh, no he doesn't um right john be- comment I yeah, like, John, we would love to know more about your journey, and I we'll like cover the, it on our next turn episode. <laughs> I like we to think that you books. haven't gone through the New Testament pretty much at all, and so re- you're reading all this, you're reading all this, and then, like, you know, you're going to get my favorite character who dies. Spoilers. Jesus. Um, if you meant Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you don't get that until episode five. No, um, it was New Testament. Judas the whole time. <laughs> um, gotta love an anti-hero. Maybe I should say that. That's not an anti hero. That's a villain. Yeah. yeah. Possessed by Satan is not an anti hero. <laughs> no, I'm not going to bring up Morbius. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Morbius. Anyway. It's morbid time. Next question, next question, next question. Thanks, anyway. John. Before we get into through the Old Testament all the way through is great for reading the New Testament through. I love it. I would always say read the New Testament first. Sure. Right. I'm there because. My guess this is the first thing that would turn you on to reading scripture would be um, reading the New Testament, the gospel specifically. Well, Jesus, don't didn't, wanna, Jesus didn't read the New Testament first. That's true. But that's also because he was Jewish. I would argue you kind of did. <laughs> at the same time, if you're willing to go through the entire Old Testament, well, you're not going to get, you're not going to stop with the New Testament. Again, what, it's not going to hold you up. 
Yeah. Um. Oh, what's, why can't I think of his name now? Um. Oh, whatever. Holy old guy, saint. Most holy, um, guy. Most holy old guy is what our prof said. Uh, what the old, the New Testament teaches, what the Old Testament concealed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, uh, as John Calvin said, the New Testament is God putting his finger on the Old Testament and showing you where to read. During one Bible study I had when I was, I think I was about 14 or 15. August. One of right. August. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's the most holy old guy. Yeah. Thought you were saying about me with my Bible studies. Like, no, yeah, sorry. Augustine. I was just like, oh, what? Uh, but uh, one of the things that my uh, youth pastor, because it was the Bible study with my youth pastor and a few of us, um, he asked the question, why do we read the Old Testament and why does it matter? And generally the answer was, it doesn't look like it matters that much. You don't really, why do, like his thing was, why do we need it? And he he's being facetious. He he has a reason why, mm -hmm. but his whole thing was like a lot of people are like, yeah, a lot of the Old Testament seems to get canceled out with the New Testament, which I think is fascinating for seeing like where the mind space of many Christians is. Mm -hmm. Is that the Old Testament doesn't matter? Which wild, yeah. As biblical theology students, I think we all go bad. <laughs> At the same time, there is a lot of reasons and and fair reasons why people ignore the Old Testament a lot of the time. I just don't, I don't think, think you so. should do it. So I, I say reading through the Old Testament is fantastic. You should do it. It's a good idea. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there. Read the New Testament. <laughs> and report back to us. Report back to us. This is your mission. <laughs> okay, John. Um, or John Ed. The final word should be Jesus's, which he considered the Old Testament the revelation of God yep. and of the utmost importance and that it will not fade. So Okay, guys, here's an interesting one for you. <laughs> okay. Good question. And now, like, better question. And it's not a better question. John keeps it in the bangers because this one's getting pretty bad. Um, are animals slash pets in heaven? Yes. Here's the, here's the part that was interesting. Since they don't carry the first sin of Adam and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> so that means they're in hell? Curious on your thoughts. Here's here is the uh, first thing that I thought of. They were subjected to fertility. Fertility. I, Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Okay, Caleb. I want to say something before we're done. Um, when I, I I used to uh, go to apple orchards in the summer, and uh, when fruit would fall from the trees, uh, the deers would come along and eat them. So my first thought was like, were were deers the first ones <laughs> to commit this great <laughs> sin? Oh my. And uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, but let's talk about it. Why doesn't the sin, the first sin, apply to animals? I have one answer, and that's Ecclesiastes 3.20 or 21. can't remember specifically. Okay. Um, it says that who knows where the spirit of man goes. Does it go down with the animals to the earth or go up to, to God? Um, and so it seems like the Bible says that animals don't go to heaven. I'm, I'm being facetious. No, that's not what it means. But... <laughs> Tell us what it means. <laughs> it means we don't know. Yeah. It means that the, the author. Is we can't it means say. that the author of Ecclesiastes didn't know. Yeah, and specifically saying that how can you be assured of your own salvation? Um, that's one of the things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think New Testament says any shares any light on that? For animals? No. For us? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't. Yeah. I just wanted to bring up my favorite passage of Ecclesiastes. I Fair think. Enough. Um, in Romans 8.20, the 
the whole for the creation was subjected to fertility. Futility? Futility. Futility. Sorry, I said it again. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Mm. I keep saying the same thing. (laughs) Forgive me. Um, Um, And the idea is that creation in of itself has been marred by their vice regents. Mm-hmm. And so the idea would be that with the salvation, what that passage later goes on to call the the adoption of sons into glory, with the salvation of said vice regents, creation itself will also be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just as humanity was corrupted through the fall, so was creation. Yeah. Yeah. So, Caleb, mm-hmm. do you then think that your own personal pet could come back in the new creation? No. Why? Why? Why would I think that? Because you love your pet. Cool. Okay, so I want to break down a little bit. <laughs> so we can, I, I, I'm sorry. I want to talk about you. what Caleb said. So what you're saying <laughs> is, is that yes, in the new creation there will be animals because this world is getting redeemed. Mm. Yeah. Right. However, the idea of the world being redeemed from its sin and animals being a part of that doesn't mean that the resurrection that we obtain carries on to every living thing. Yep. Humans are resurrected. The world is remade. Yes. So although, although I would like to draw a closer tie to the, the same life that causes our resurrection is the remaking of the world. Yes. But the idea is, is that it's not all the same animals that are brought back from the old creation. It's just animals are brought back the same as the earth is brought. Trees are there, but it doesn't mean that there will be no bloodshed. The lion will sleep, uh, sleep beside the cub or the the lamb and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't totally know Isaiah stuff. Yeah. And, And people will argue about to what degree, is the the fabric of reality itself mm-hmm. marred um like i mean you do have like um what the big freeze right there's only so much energy in the universe right um if let's say if jesus were to come back on earth well then the sun's going to go out so what about that so like the the christian mm-hmm. concept eventually yeah and, and like not just that not just our sun but every mm. sun eventually and maybe we're just wrong about that but that's where at least things are pointing right now and one of the things that i think josh pointed out earlier i don't know if it was on a podcast or not mm-hmm. he did the whole when they when adam and eve are cast out and the, the curses upon them god remarks you will die you will surely die mm-hmm. yeah. and the big freeze kind of <laughs> seems like a yeah. little bit of it like a yeah there is no it escape. doesn't matter the what only, you do the yeah. only hope to escape this corrupted and ultimately if we're going to say to hell in a handbasket doomed reality is a hope in some sort of transcendent reality breaking in i.e the kingdom of heaven the city of heaven coming down the new jerusalem yeah god being with his people the remaking of the fabric of reality but what does that exactly mean all things turn new yeah. What it yeah. at least means is that the Bible does not preach animal resurrection. It no. preaches yeah. human resurrection. I'm, and animal restoration. And animal restoration. There nice. we go. I'm sorry, I, Mr. Fluffles will not be there. Also, my childhood dog, Baxter. I'm sorry, he won't be there. In the mind of God and in us, he will. But In the mind of God. <laughs> I do my know who still exists. <laughs> <laughs> I do know yes. a fair amount of especially very modern people who put more weight into the, uh, you know, the life of their pet over the life of other people. Yeah. It's a very modern thing. It's a very bad thing. Sure. I agree. <laughs> At the same time, they put so much, they like 
they treat their pets like their family, largely because arguably they are not to the same extent as humans and all that. And we can say, well, they're just wrong, but why do we like, not that we like, why do we say, no, it's not true rather than, well, I hope it's true, but it's probably not. Like, why do we, why do we say that pets will not be resurrected into heaven? Or I say resurrected. Why is it in the new creation? Why is there not people's very loved and dear pets with them? Because they ain't got no soul. <laughs> right? Like that's got to be uh, it. They might have a soul, but it's not the same as a human soul. I would just simply go with resurrection is taught as for humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a human, the, it's a theology centered on humanity, not on creation. Yeah. Um, but in the same way that we are described as being restored from our sins by justification, earth is restored to holiness by its creator. And so it's not resurrected as you mentioned before, but it is restored to goodness. And so that means that all of creation, the sin is wiped free. The city of heaven comes down and God is with his people in creation as it, uh, it's better, but also as it ought to have been in Eden. Yeah. Um, the goal was that the glory would be spread around the world via humanity, and now that is being done so. Yeah. And so there will be animals because it's part of God's beautiful creation, and it's part of what we are regents over. But Not, not only that, like, I, I can understand, especially yeah. why, let, let's, let's say if there's an eight-year-old little girl that asks, hey, my puppy got hit by a truck, and is, you mm. know, Mr. Fluffles going to be in heaven? I'm not going to go, no, <laughs> get used to <laughs> never seeing Mr. Fluffles again. Um, I might go, I, I don't know. Right. But if a 40 year old person comes up to me and is like, I want to see my pet dog that I grew up. It's like, okay, the restructuring of reality and God being proclaimed King, both as ruling in, in over creation in heaven, but, in the merger and the rest- restoration of reality, and you're worried about Mr. Fluffles? Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's focus on what the Bible does say. Yeah, sure. And so to that point, when you're saying the, why don't we just say, I don't know, rather than saying, this is what, like, no, no it's for silly sure. to think that way. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's silly, but the, it's the, it doesn't teach animal resurrection. And it certainly is leaning towards restoration of creation. So it's, it's, it's not just, we don't know it's here's what the Bible teaches and here is the direction that it's pointing. Right. And it's not in that direction. And so all available evidence is showing us that it is in fact the opposite. Um, but it's not just simply, it doesn't teach it or it does. We don't know. It's, it's presenting in the opposite direction, but also dogs in the redeemed reality are going to be better anyway true i mean they're already one of well them. so would mr fuffles in the redeemed reality yeah yeah well why is mr <laughs> fuffles where you guys are going at? that's not you just said like a dog name to me <laughs> okay spot spot in the new reality would fido. Be. fido fido yeah i mean i i agree with you caleb okay. i i don't think that animals are going to be in the redeemed reality <laughs> i do know that it's a sticking point for a lot of people there's a disproportionate amount of people that are concerned about it which is wild Okay, if they're in the redeemed reality, are they domesticated or no? I think they'd have to be. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Know. otherwise, to be. then cows would be there too. All well, of they the would cows. Be, would I mean, killed. there's still cows that aren't domesticated. 
I know, but all the cows that we have domestic, like quote unquote in, domesticated. In fairness, we don't know how much of the life cycle of the natural order, I think, is part of corruption. Mm-hmm. Is mm. the seed that dies off the tree and grows a new tree, is that part of corruption because it involved death? Well, no. And, and I use that as the example because yeah. as soon as you start to apply that to the animal kingdom, well, now you're incl- including suffering, animal suffering, and pain because yep. car- carnivores and stuff like that. And there are people who will go just go, well, carnivores are part of the curse on the earth. Well, uh, I don't say think- uh, starts to go that way. Yeah. Whether or not he's right is a different question. Well, or if he's just and whether saying, or not he's using that as an analogy for the the horrors of the of sure of the and world. But it's a very specific the, analogy to use. Well, and yeah. the death of the seed would not be considered death because that is what's required for new trees to be born, and that's what in Genesis says happens with the new with yeah. they can have more of their kind, mm-hmm. and so. Genesis would not consider tree growth to be death. Well, how about salmon? Yeah. What yeah. about all of the, the animals that will, die will, to will have die. their uh, like their babies eat out their body until they come out into yeah. life? Like well, a lot of spiders. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Or the, I would use salmon or crabs they, they feed eat their own children. After. Yeah. I mean that one's a little brutal, but but and those type of questions, I don't know if we really know those answers no. to those questions. Yeah. I think, uh, again, the Bible's not written, well, I, not again, because it was the first time we're saying it. The Bible's not written to be a science textbook. Yeah. Um, we have said that before, yeah. but not here. So, yeah. Does that answer the question-ish? Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting response to it. It really has more to do with um, who carries the first sin of Adam than anything else. Yeah, so I, really I kind of ignored that. Yeah, vice, <laughs> vice regent re- yeah. relationship to creation. That's, I think that's the yeah, answer question. And it's the same with the king of Israel was evil, therefore the people of Israel were evil. Yeah. Also, yeah. If, animals, so same idea. if animals don't bear the first sin of creation, then they wouldn't be condemned to, in the first place. So what's the point? Just read Romans' own argument. Just yeah. read Romans 8. <laughs> Romans 8 solves this question. Dude, Romans I mean, 8 yeah, solves so many problems. questions. Yeah. Romans 8, also, the passage where the Jonah question comes up as well. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to read the first half of this question and let you guys talk about it. Okay. Then I'll read the second half. Um, What is the significance of Moses' staff turning into a snake and eating the counterfeit servants? 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 Serpents. Serpents of the Pharaoh's priests. Power. Dominance. Playing with the big boys. No. (laughs) That's beautiful. I hate that song so much. I love it so much. (laughs) It's the only part of that movie I hate. It's my favorite movie ever made. Yeah. Prince of Egypt, good, good movie. It's the greatest movie ever made. Jeff Goldblum, best performance. <laughs> Once um, you hear his voice, you can't really divorce the character. And Caleb, do you want right? to go first? I no, I, I just agree with. I figured this Golden. would go right into some say power. power and dominance. God over holds what? power over the gods of Egypt. Dare I say I, polemic? I will ask Josh polemic <laughs> as our resident though. person who has studied the most yep. about Satan. S- serpent imagery, dragon yes. imagery. Is there a resident Oh no, that's what this question is, <laughs> no. isn't it? No. Oh, um, oh, sorry. So um, the way we we talked about the biblical theology of serpents, mm-hmm. the short studies in biblical theology. Um, the place he goes with it is uh, the again with typology is the type of the one who will defeat Satan is presented as a master over serpents. Um, and Moses is one of those presentations of the Christ figure. Yep. 
that will come mm. and you see him have mastery over a serpent as the presentation of him being the the one who represents god i've heard that before yeah i liked it okay. yeah um and you also see again that same moses is the same one that crafts the bronze serpent and all are healed mm. that it is there, there's a relationship through the mastery over serpents as the one who brings redemption to israel redemption in life yeah um and you see that in a couple stories throughout the old testament mm -hmm. um again with saul when he defeats we brought up in samuel when he defeats nakash whose name means serpent in the desert as his pinnacle story of him defeating an, the nations to prove that he is king and has the whole and has the spirit of kingship mm -hmm. um and then jesus the first thing he does after he's baptized is he defeats the devil in the desert mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. 40 days 40 days and it's lent so like connection right point anyway <laughs> yeah nice. the second part of the question <laughs> i don't think you want the second part of the question uh, <laughs> i know um, it's going to uh, and the second part of the question um is i keep having reoccurring dreams and visions visions <laughs> oh so like joseph <laughs> I well i mean it's i don't want to like write too much onto this person's question <laughs> um he doesn't say anything after that he just says he has recurring <laughs> dreams and visions. That's it. I mean, there's no comments because I got it four minutes after it was posted. It was one of those things where, like, I got to get this one <laughs> locked and loaded. I don't um, know. I have no idea. I, I, I. Okay, so there is not enough there for us. Let to me say make a question anything. for you. Let no. me make a question for you. What is the role of dreams in the life of a Christian? That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I. I think dreams have a naturalistic function, like the rest yeah. of the functions of the body, but there is an odd time, very rarely, and it's pretty obvious when it happens, when God decides to use a dream like he uses many other mediums. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it's one of those things that I think Caleb has brought up once or twice before, that yeah. it's like, God can use pretty much anything to inspire you oh yeah. it just has to be checked against the yardstick that is scripture yes um and i think it's interesting that they're having these you know these dreams and visions specifically about a biblical story um that has a context um yeah I but i just so, for so the life then, of me i wouldn't be able to connect that so to my the, own life <laughs> the naturalistic function of dreams and nightmares specifically yeah are like training in the simulations Yes. So <laughs> the idea is that it's a reoccurring thing of that you are seeing yeah. um, <laughs> of things that happen in the day that your brain is bringing up because it values them as important. Just like the simulations. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was too good of a joke. It's, it is. So nightmares specifically, the reason they repeat you you like if you go through a traumatic moment and you and you're reliving the traumatic moment yeah. in nightmares. So you can you're yeah. going over how you could survive it or yeah. go yeah. remember it's, it for next time or what you could do better. Yeah. It's your brain is figuring out how can I fix this problem so that it never occurs. That is the main theory, but scientists yeah. aren't entirely sure. You're right. Dreams are kind of they're is ephemeral, the right word. We're, we're, we're not talking yeah. about naturalistic stuff. I don't think that's the question. No, 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 no but wait, because we have to talk about like, what do dreams play the role of in the Christian life? So if it's, nightmares are reoccurring other things these are just normal processes in the human brain that are occurring okay however when you see in the bible there are people as we have read that have dreams that 
than God interprets. <laughs> However, usually they are significantly different than just normal dreams. And we should expect that to happen in the now because of Joel. Yes. Not, not Joel. Joel not this the Joel. book of Joel. The so they Joel. will happen. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Yes. Yeah. But again, the biblical dreams that you see happen are very different than just normal dreams. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not just random images that are passing through. There's like with the, the dreams that Pharaoh had, there was a course of events. And he There's doesn't know God. And he doesn't know God. Yeah. And so he's pointing out the fact that I'm having a dream that is not like any other dream that I've had. If, you're, if you have a dream and you're like, oh, that just stuck out to me, that's not the same as saying I had a dream about having, there was a bunch of cows, they ate a bunch of food, and then there was a bunch of emaciated cows that ate the old cows. And there's a clear yes. story and presentation yes. being brought through it. Or like with Daniel or with other characters where they're like, God came and talked to me, I saw a vision, he presented something, he presented a story and a future about specific events relating to me and the time and my entire culture. Mm. Those aren't normal dreams. Normal dreams are I saw a golden spider on a cliff and some dude walked down these steps and it yeah. starts to break reality and nothing matches. It's, uh, what is the term? Super... Lapsarianism. Oh, Sorry, no. No, it's not that. No, it's not that. For what? When, when something doesn't make sense. Like a type of it's not absurdist. It starts with an S. Surreal. Surreal. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's surreal. It's nothing. Nothing makes sense. It's just random information passing through each other. So there's a clear difference between biblical dreams and visions and the dreams we have every night. So what does it play into the role of the Christian? Well, you will know when I don't, you have a dream. I don't know if I'd go as hard of a stance on that. I don't know how that works. I haven't done mm -hmm. a study into dreams in the Bible. So maybe it is like they knew it was something different other or it could have been part of the culture and they yeah. thought all dreams meant something or something like that i don't know that is part of the context like the dream interpretation books are awesome like i've read some of the ones for the babylonians yeah it's so interesting they're like yeah and if you see one that's oil look out and it's like oh no no explanation for that but um it's good because what they would do is they would find different dreams um, that people had write them down and then whatever was the perceived outcome after the dream was referenced as the always outcome of that dream and they would basically make these oh these long-running yeah that's why the assyrian dream books are like the assyrian the dream books sometimes they call them the divination books but yeah they're it's just All it's right, not even a, i have no idea about it's not even a specific book it's just kind of a type of divination okay. where it's records of different occurrences that were seen as abnormal some of those being dreams. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why Daniel would have been called is because he actually would have been trained in those dream books. Yeah. And then brought to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. So it's it's basically they're trying to find the connections between all dreams. Yeah. To be able to interpret when you see something in relationship to the rest of the stuff in the dream, that this is what it means. Which Because they be were fair, assuming dreams right. from the divine. It's yeah. just like the most so. incredibly rudimentary psychology. <laughs> right yeah like, it, is it is psychotherapy yeah i i have two things to say because we've been talking about dreams for a while two things to say that i think are interesting and they have to do with biblical not biblical inspiration dream and inspired whether or not they're inspired by god and stuff like that first one is very personal and subjective uh there have been times where i've been asleep and had a dream where in the dream jesus or god or something challenges me to a moral thing and then mm. i either like 
I either feel convicted when I wake up or I feel like I've done something that's good. Um, <laughs> now, do I believe that those are from God? I actually don't think so, but I understand why someone would with something like that. Did you ever talk about them with the pastor? No, I don't talk to people about my dreams. Okay. Um, that's just like broke pastors, that rule. That's like... <laughs> So what yeah, this is very there for though. <laughs> I know this is. I don't talk about my dreams very often because normally I don't think they mean anything. Right. But um, the second thing is that growing up, I would be recommended uh, books by people about their dreams. Um, yeah, which sounds very strange. And some of them were like, yeah. "Here I have seen the prophecy." Uh, yeah, no, I know uh, about how the end times is going to happen. And there's uh, one that was really famous. I can't remember what it's called, but basically it's like a mountain and like as the as heaven like comes to earth it's about the end times and stuff is that the satan's armies are coming to the base of the mountain and stuff like that and people are trying to climb this mountain to get to jesus who's on the very top and each each level of the mountain has like different things happening and then once you get to the top you're like given whatever and then you come down and you help jesus once everyone makes it to the top come down and then destroys all of satan's armies stuff like that it, basically it's a weird fantasy book lost behind lost behind left, left behind. behind it's not left behind <laughs> i almost said lost in space. i can't remember the <laughs> name, name of the book but books like that where uh, they claim it is an actual vision from god about um about the end times or about something that's happening or something like that and so what do you guys think about stuff like that well, the we said this earlier with caleb hacks was mm. if it disagrees with the bible it wasn't a vision from god didn't disagree with the bible in any way i saw well there's a presentation of the eschatological events mm -hmm. and so if you have if you have a weak eschatology which is common in the vast majority of traditions right now right i think part of that is, is people feel like eschatology is a buffet mm -hmm. they can just choose okay. whatever they want and they don't see any reason to choose one thing over another, whatever. If you have a weak eschatology, it leaves you very vulnerable to certain things. Or if you have a quote-unquote strong eschatology that's just doesn't actually account for many of the varieties in, let's say, genre of the sure. way eschatology is presented in the New Testament, because some eschatology is presented in a more solid form than other portion than other eschatological um, passages or even books such as revelation mm -hmm. um i think in the modern day we suffer very much from a confused and almost non-existent eschatological uh formation in the majority of christians and so books like that when somebody says oh, i figured it out i had a dream um they sell yeah um, Even if he believes it. I don't know if it's fair to say weak eschatology, because I don't think it's an eschatology problem. It's a problem with, you know, what, where you put your priorities when you read the Bible. Oh, it, it might be. That might be a symptom of a larger problem. But I think it is, it, it is a problem. But I think it may be, to your point, it might be a symptom of even a greater problem. Right. Um, things that I know, I don't know nearly enough about eschatology to actually say whether or not something's weak or something's strong. Because some people put a lot of weight into like, you know, their own personal interpretation of what it means, which I disagree is a, that's not a good way of doing it. But then some people put a very strong weight into a historical view of what it means. 
which is also not a good way of doing it because they, you know, a lot of old people are wrong on things. Um, it's it's complicated. Like, but compli- complicated doesn't mean like. How can I say it? Just because something is difficult, just because something is even to impossible for you to achieve in your lifetime, does not mean that you cannot make progress. Of course. Um, like I like, yeah. I don't know. There was there's a several books that I read on Revelation. I wrote. Um, you wrote actually, a book on Revelation. <laughs> no, I didn't. I had, <laughs> I had a paper. I had a paper on uh, on hermeneutics for apocalyptic literature. I don't even know if I necessarily agree with my conclusions in my paper right now. But that being said, I have come further in along in my way of how I would read specifically Revelation and Daniel and a little bit of Ezekiel than previously. And I don't think that just because I have not landed at the answer, because today we're so hungry for finding the answer to things and just definitively being able to put it down, I have the answer, um, that if you don't have the answer, well, then... What makes you any different than the rest of us who are just as confused? Mm-hmm. Right. No, you're not just as confused. There is progress to understanding, yeah. especially for things that are not science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also spiritual reality. A lot of the progress in studying the Bible is not necessarily knowing the right answer, but in coming closer to God. Yeah. So we circled back to our topic that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, let's before talk the about podcast. dreams a little bit more. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, can we give like a, can I give like a quick summary of what we've talked about? Sure. So far? Yeah. So dreams have a naturalistic cause mm-hmm. and a naturalistic purpose. Dreams are presented in the Bible sometimes as God revealing truth to his people. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, dreams mean something else than they do in the Old Testament. Because in the New Testament, we have the revelation of God, specifically now that we're past the canonization of the text. Mm. We have the revelation, so it won't be dr- the dreams won't disagree with what god has revealed in the bible yes the spirit is not one of contradictions yes so you won't get new information if you're getting new information wasn't from god um and then also they are confusing they are weird you should pray about them read the bible to understand them and talk to your pastor and fellow christians yeah i concur yeah, because what you're looking for is some kind of gift of interpretation or discernment. Yes. Yeah. Because if you're confused that you don't understand it, maybe someone else in the body of Christ who's been given the gifts of discernment or interpretation yeah. could help you with that in the same way that Pharaoh and his servants weren't able to figure it out. So Joseph was brought. Yeah. So Daniel was brought. So. Mm. Cool. You think we've we've covered that one? Oh, yeah. I hope so. If God has sent you a message, it won't go unread. Like, it, yeah. it will be. There is a, It'll be something. There is a study that has been done and can be done by people on, well, the biblical theology of dreams in the Bible, but just what, how does that work? What mm-hmm. context of the Old Testament come in with? Because people don't really dream very often in the New Testament, I think. We're going through Acts as right now not literally right now but does peter have a it is peter has a far more common right yeah visions are it's a vision or common it's not a dream as far as i'm aware i don't think it's a Uh, dream are you holding a bible right now i thought it was a dream but that might just be me 
You want I, me to look up every time Peter has a vision in Acts? No, I was going to no, say uh, ask with, if in Acts that passage with the animals. Cornelius, no, it animals. is a vision. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, well, it's while he's doing his daily prayers. Beautiful. Vision. Okay. Thanks for the confirmation. No problem. Yeah, thank you. I found this sick burn of Pentecostals on the internet. <laughs> goes imagine what acts 2 could have been like if they'd had lasers and fog machines <laughs> <laughs> which i think is awesome to be also, i think tongues know? of fire is like pretty on, on brand yeah tongues of fire is the lasers and then the wind is the, the fog machines right no, I, here's I, the thing here's the thing it would be wild in first century Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. They had lasers and fog machines coming out. Yeah, of, coming out of yeah but they couldn't plug it in. We're completely missing the point that the fog machines are meant to replace the they're, they're the presence of God imitators, like in the temple had the pillar pillar of cloud. Well, it, it is a theophany machine. Yeah, it's. So to, I would argue to that make theophany. the symbolism of cathedrals is replaced by the presence of the spirit being represented by lasers. Ah. It's bad, isn't oh, it? it? That's hurts. funny. No, <laughs> it I love hurts. it. That's it's great. pretty good. It hurts. Because here's the thing. Is it better? If there is a Absolutely. charismatic Absolutely. If it's movement, new, it's better. Oh. I will come in and swing it with this one. <laughs> Please defend this position. If there's a seeking after this uh, hype that happened with Acts 2, you'd want to get the visuals right. Yo, I got to use the lingo. Got the hazers and the lasers oh. popping off at the Pentecostal church. Tell me you wouldn't go at least inside of the church to see what's happening. And then say, no, these people are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that means that as we covered in our next Honestly, episode, that's not good. They would like. I, what? Josh Sorry, is having a thought, I had a in, real thought in real time in the church. Meditur is the Pharisees see. I know I'm already wrong, but I'm just going <laughs> to present this idea. There is a funny similarity between Pharisees going to. Uh, the disciples and going, are these guys drunk? No, they're speaking in tongues. Versus everyone else who doesn't like concert worship, mm -hmm. confusing it with concerts. It what? can be. Mm. Can be. I, I like that. I'm going to say people will come I, to I say most concert type. Because like is. Orthodox and Catholics will see the more uh, animated Contemporary. Protestant worship. Yeah. And they'll go, it's just a concert. It's just a rock concert. They're just trying to, right? Like, they're getting praised like somebody on a stage. Mm -hmm. It's about them. They have a green room. They, have, they, wear, they wear specific outfits for being on stage that the, you wouldn't just normally wear. Right. The, like, the whole thing, there's lights. There's a backdrop with, like, a moving thing and lyrics. Like, it's a concert. Sometimes they have flames. Uh, and it's just like the idea of them sometimes they have flames. <laughs> True. Oh, I want the church the has flames. You know what? I I've love seen it. pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics before. They're awesome in church. In like mega they churches, yeah, country big, concert, big churches, yeah. yeah. Um. So, like, is that confusion with something that is worldly a problem? The same way. No, like, because a lot of the times I agree. <laughs> that's not an argument. <laughs> even though I'm not Catholic. Even though. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, is that answer your question? It's not a, really a question, really. Okay. More of a okay, observation. One, one very quick question to Josh. Yes. You said that the fog ma machines are meant to imitate the presence of God. <laughs> is that true? Is that? There's I don't no think way that's true. There's it's, no way that's true. There's no way that's true, that. but the idea of having haze, of having setting, clouds. Right? Yes. But it's funny that in our sanctuary, we decided 
in the times of worship that we would have a pillar of cloud. I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And the marker of the presence of God in the temple as this was the temple versus not the, the temple. Next time someone was that theophany on demand. Theophany on demand. Theophany. <laughs> See, I could do what they couldn't do. That sounds do awesome. Oh, it's 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 a little bit of blasphemy. If it's I mean, the if case you believe that, that, that's what they're trying yeah. to do. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. believe. So that. I'm going to bring up that fog machines are representative of the infilling of the temple. Next time someone brings up, well, they got what? fog machines yeah. and glitter cannons. And you and can, it's like incense. Yeah. Yes, you can make the same argument that incense and oh, the censer is, the, uh, is yeah. the incense. Actually, I don't the disagree with that. Yeah. Not yeah. the presence of God, but for more for the mood filling. What's but, in your yeah. incense? Water and glycerin. <laughs> well, and sometimes as <laughs> marijuana, count, some marijuana, uh, some THC, LSD. Not but maybe where you. That's went. what that's what they found in some incense. Yeah, that the medieval in incense yeah. burners in the medieval church. Yeah, Ooh. not much though. It's not like they were. Just... No, no. It's just enough to make the refraction of light and the pictures to come alive on the stained glass. Yeah. Well, no, not even that. Just to... it's kind of awesome. Whatever. It makes the light shine a little better. But it's like chemical if, VR. If, I will say, God made all things, and no, we're supposed now you're to... making the argument no, that you're making the magic mushrooms argument. <laughs> now you're just anyway, making the Joe Rogan argument. I will. I will anyway. say that being on LSD and going to a Catholic cathedral. It would be well, awesome. either be the best experience of your life or the absolute worst experience. It just depends because you the feel first the first thing you look at. Yeah, do you feel the the presence of God or the judgment of God? <laughs> well, it's, are, yeah. do you see the light and like the beauty, and you go ah, mm-hmm. or is it you accidentally see look at the icon of Michael fighting Satan? Yeah, and then suddenly that comes alive in your eyes. And the doom music starts, and you're like crusade. Anyway, <laughs> and the next question: All the statues are trying to welcome you. Anyways, oh, that's a wild history. Carrie, next question. The Crusades. Um, <laughs> the Crusades oh. as Guys, I got a couple. I actually over-prepared. Yeah, continue. Rarely, continue. rarely I over-prepare. And this one I over-prepared on. So there's a couple that I'm like, okay, what are your thoughts on Freemasonry? Um, mm. No, I love the way this, this question is Freemasonry. What are your thoughts on Freemasonry or Masonry? Thank you. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Masonry is just like a normal job. No. Everything I think people should be pair, paid the fair wage of their labor. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're only comment on the Masons. Can, can I no, so, Freemasons. Oh. Uh, it Socialist. doesn't allow them to support their families. Can I? If they're just doing the work for free. Can I make fair the? Enough. I know what he's saying. <laughs> so he's not referring to Masons. He's referring to the the Masonic order. Yeah. So. Sometimes they are referred to as just Masons. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I want to distinguish between like early or late medieval yeah. Freemasons and like everything after that. Cause it started, if I'm, if I'm remembering it correctly, it started as an order of basically a bunch of non, non really Catholic people coming together and being like, Hey, let's share information with the Jews, the uh, Muslims christians and non-christians like getting all these ideas together and then talking about it more of a philosophical order yeah. of debating ideas it did start out of the guild very liberal Masons, though yeah very liberal for the time that's not even clear that i i think the origins of freemasonry are null and void because the whole point is they don't want you to know how it started and they want you to think they built the pyramids that's it like do they do it's awesome they, i'm there it's i just, love it no because the, the the argument is is that the the reason they have, they share stuff with uh uh 
Kabbalistic yeah. uh, symbolism is the argument that they're not the Freemasons are the continuation of the Kabbalistic tradition. The what? The, the cabal. It's a yeah. it's a form of Jewish mysticism. I met someone who studied it oh, the other day. Actually, super yeah. interesting. And that the cabal Kabbalism came from Egypt as well. The the branch of Jewish mysticism which was in Egypt with that. Um, the Essenes. No, there's a there's a the second temple. The second temple in Egypt where yeah. there was, they worshipped the god right. Yoho, which was just a variation of Yahweh. Hmm. Um, and so very interesting was around during Jesus' time. Yes, and they would argue that oh. again that those people, the Kabbalistic group, got a lot of their imagery and symbolism and discussion from the same from the Egyptians that lived there that built the pyramids and weird mysticism in Egypt. And so there's this anyway, long but, connection yeah. from Egypt Jeez, to Louise. Judaism to European Freemason to European Mason guilds mm. to now. Okay. Modern. Uh, this is my assessment. Yeah. I think Joel and I have disagreed on this. Um, modern Freemasonry, I think, is just syncretistic Gnosticism with a deist bend. Yeah, yes. I agree with that. I disagree. I think that the idea that it's majority religious is false. Um, I think that there are requirements. You have to be a monotheist. You have to be, you know, this, that, and the other thing. You do have to believe certain things, but then it's kind of done. That would just be deist, not yeah, very so, religious. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I, that's I what I mean by deist bend. I go leaning towards the Gnostic idea because especially after like the founding of like the first hundred years of the Freemasons being a thing, they started turning very Gnostic. Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're hidden knowledge for sure. hundred percent. They're not quite as spiritual. As Gnostics would sure. be. Yeah. They don't it, hate not physical reality as much. Not as directly. Yeah. What can be found in most Gnostic uh, communities. They're, they're little G Gnostic, not big G Gnostic. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the reason I, I brought this up, <laughs> little G Gnostic. <laughs> That's Caleb like that Five one. people are going to get that. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, uh, the reason I brought it up was because... Uh, Josh had an interesting take on brotherhoods. You remember I, when we talked about that? Oh, because I've ago? been to two Freemason meetings? Oh, no. I you have been? I didn't know that. Did you buy that ring that you had an option to? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? No. Well, you're not allowed to talk about something like that? No, you're not. So? <laughs> Who cares? I'm not a Freemason. Yeah. The problem That's is the is problem. when they find out. What, they're going to come after me? Us. Come after you? Why? Who cares? At least someone will listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if I get shut down by the Freemasons, I'm going to wear that as a badge of honor. Yes, of, of course. Um, no, but it's just we'll get there eventually. Um, uh, what? No. So a family friend of ours, the father is a master Mason. And their this daughter is was in Job's daughters. Uh huh. We got invited to go to one of their their daughters in Job's daughters level up. Nice. Uh, so uh -huh. in Langley, the where the, where the Eureka Hall is, uh, mm -hmm. yep. We it was like it was Don't like a profession us, of faith. Please, it, we we've <laughs> talked about Summit. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but you're getting more specific, more and more specific. It it could be 
it could there are multiple Langley, cities. Virginia. Yeah, yeah. sure. sure. <laughs> and, anyway, continue on uh, this cult, cult story question. Mark? Yes. So it's oh, like sorry. their profession of faith. It's like getting up to mm-hmm. the top level. Um, and you can only be a Job's daughter if you are the daughter of a master mason. Um, anyways, it's it's a nothing burger. Nothing happens. But there called- were two grandmasters there. Did you say that they're called Job's daughters? Yes. Yep. Why would I ever want to be a Job's daughter or son? That sounds like the like the worst possible tornado thing. ride. Well, it, de- um, no, it depends on which <laughs> of Job's daughters you're talking about. The ones before or after? That's true. So, Qu- question: Why go, Josh? So, why not? Cult. Yes. Um. It. Honestly, I didn't think about it at the time. Okay. I'm not saying one way yeah. or the other. I'm just like, yeah. I'm never going again. Um, but if you do, like, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it isn't nothing. So it wasn't true Freemasons. It was the it's their youth program. Uh, <laughs> nice. Which is the equivalent. Um, and so, yeah, the it's wild. You see all the symbolism. The whole time I'm going, that's not true. And that's, that's why you're a Freemason now. No, I see. I'm not. That explains Specifically, a lot. no. They try to... Explains the symbols on the Two walls. kids tried to convert me, and I said, no, no way in hell. Um, no way, that's hell. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that person since the daughter is no longer a part and has gotten away. And it was mostly because... Have they come to the church? Yeah. Like, in... Yeah! I mean... Yeah, and so that's the problem with Freemasons, that there are Freemasons that are Christians, quote-unquote, because they pass the test of being a monotheist and blah, blah, blah. Um, But churches generally have a problem with Freemasons. So would Corinthians. Yes, um, because you're not supposed to be a part of another brotherhood. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think it goes a little beyond that. Yes. But to, to all, like, there are a lot of people out there who claim that Freemasonry is basically just like a club. Yeah. Um, like Wrong. people who are Masons, I, I'm very heavily skeptical of mm-hmm. anything Freemason. Absolutely. You anything. Should be. Um, I love looking at churches and seeing whether or not they're built by Freemasons though. Yes. It happens a lot. The church in uh, Barkerville has a Freemason plaque on it. The church I got married in had Freemason <laughs> symbols on the well, walls. Especially, yeah. especially churches that find their origin in 18, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, 19th and 20th century. Yeah. Well, and it, that in, especially lends, in the new world, that lends yep. to the idea that they were behind a lot of the stuff in more the conspiratorial world. books and novels and in conspiracy theories is because as builders, so to speak, so like the as Masons, they were a part of a lot of construction. Well, and they do it for free. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> and they wear gloves. Oh, so you don't know if they're a king or not. Oh my gosh. It yes. took me this long to get the joke. Jeez really? Louise. <laughs> Freemasons, I guess. Um, it was so, pretty low level. Yeah, so there was two <laughs> grandmasters there. You saw them wearing all the symbolism, and like you see the carryovers from Egyptian, yeah. Egyptian Kabbalistic thinking and stuff like that. And it's it's bad. It's bad. I hate the syncretism. Yeah, fair um, enough. So the the official sacred saints uh, position on Freemasonry is we have cool rings now, and so don't talk to us about it. <laughs> no, boo, bad cult. Don't separate yourself from Christ. No, yeah. a person that was a Mason, this person, um, may be giving me a Freemason relic that they I'm obtained. sorry, what? So, 
Freemasons have relics? Yes, and this one is 300 years old. Holy moly. So... Is it the staff that Moses used to turn into a snake? How old do you think the earth is? It, <laughs> time is relative, okay? Can we move, can we move on? so fast. How old do you think the earth is? Five. <laughs> the thing that five? Yeah. Five units of measurement. Time. Five This time. is the staff Moses used. It's over five years old. <laughs> No, I'm not going to say that. Anyways, Simulation I'll theory. be trying to decipher this object when I obtain it. So, um, Josh and I have been uh, spitballing some new ideas for um, biblically accurate series. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to extend that um, ask to anyone who's still listening. Um, if you have things that you want Josh and I to cover that are on the more conspiracy side. Um, even if you want a whole episode on Freemasons, no, I try Josh it. And, uh, Joe. Uh, is well, it actually just you two? Uh, no, you guys probably will be part of it. I'm not sure. We haven't. Me and Caleb talk about, about Freemasonry. No, it's just I think it's, <laughs> you guys can have biblically unaccurate. <laughs> yeah, inaccurate. <laughs> Where you yeah. guys fight for the position. It's I know, funnier. Well, I, it's yeah. funnier. <laughs> I think for my own sanity, sometimes I might not show up, but sometimes I, I will want to. Cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, brings us through the turt. You know. Um, throw some turd on the grave. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to we think even, of a good catchphrase for turd. We even had some uh, thoughts of our own in real time. Yeah. I had a thought. I don't know about that. Tur- turd and a half shell? No. That's, not <laughs> that's another good one. Continue. Tur- turtle recall. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that movie. Which one? The Arnold Schwarzenegger one? Yeah. Dirty dancing. <laughs> anyway, Caleb's Anyways, done. Are you? Are you? Um, um, what do we do on social media? Do we? Yeah, if you'd like to check out what we're doing online, check out secondratesaints.com. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at secondratesaints@gmail.com or check out our chat feature on the website, or just comment on the YouTube video. Yeah. I'm still thinking turd of the century, maybe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll go. There are more turd episodes. Yeah, there um, are. Turton. Turton death. Hey, Josh. Yeah. Right by your Turtle. foot, there's the button that Turt. ends the recording. Yeah, but I like it when we devolve. Yep. And we, yep. We have devolve. That's cool. We can always edit this out, I right? Can, I can say Turtle Rico. <laughs> I, I'm twice um, as far away from it as you. But I think I could. I think I could make it. I'll body turn this. Sorry, audience members, count the amount of times that Caleb says absolutely nothing because he doesn't want to dignify someone saying something with a laugh. <laughs> it is. It is one of the things that I do. I realize silence speaks volumes. It's, it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, when people anyway. are like, "Ain't that funny?" and you're like, <laughs> "So anyway." Yeah. Also, donate to us for to help us afford new equipment. Um, some of our equipment here is great but it's always nice to you know get new arms because uh josh is holding the microphone because we're we're down for one hopefully it makes us easier to listen to yeah because i currently don't have arms (laughs) josh is is well he's not armed you know because we're not in the states um do you want to okay i've got a funny joke about that um there's a thing in where we live called the mcc sale which is like the mennonite christian community for where they they donate and stuff to other places through thrift stores and stuff like that. And they have a giant thing called the uh, MCC sale. 
and yeah. everybody that volunteers there, Mennonites are known for being pacifists. They wear tank tops that say, "This is how Mennonites bear arms." Okay, that's not bad. That's pretty fine. the podcast. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I was thinking oh about God. today? My birthday is on June 23rd, right? Yeah. That's that- so far away from Labor Day. <laughs> what? <laughs> I get the Jeremy is just really stupid. 